0: All right, children, you may be dismissed to Children's Church. I know that uh, time is getting away from us uh, this morning, uh, but we do have something important to talk about. And uh, so we're going to be in Exodus 34, Exodus 34. Today we're going to be talking about the personality of God. We're going to continue this... uh, a series of messages called The Mighty God We Serve. And uh, originally we looked at the idea that God is eternal, that he is the eternal creator, that he is the uncreated eternal creator. And so uh, everything in creation has been created except for God. He is eternal, he doesn't have a beginning, he doesn't have an end. Then we went from that idea and we went to this uh, second idea. Well, first of all, it, it, when you think about the fact that he is a creator, that, it, that means that uh, we have been created with a purpose, and really our purpose is to bring him glory and to have fellowship with him. But there, then the, the second idea here is that sometimes people divorce uh, the creator God from his creation and, and they give this idea that if there is such thing as a creator God, he must be so big and so infinite that there is no way that we could know him. And to be honest, that would be true, except for he gave us the word of God. And so from the very beginning, from the Genesis account, from the very beginning of creation, he made himself known to his creation. And so we see that uh, Adam and Eve walked with God. They knew him. We also see that uh, he gave us his word, that he wanted to establish a relationship with us. Even when our relationship was broken because of sin, it was so important to him to have a relationship with his creation that he, what? He sent his son to die for the sins of the world so that that relationship might be put back together. And so this idea that our creator is so distant from his creation that there is no way that we could know him just is not not true according to the word of God. God desired to be known by his creation. So he made himself known. Then we also talked about last week, we talked about this idea that God is spirit. So uh, the next thing that people maybe come to is, okay, if there is a God and that he does want to make himself known, where is he? Why don't I see him? Why don't we see him? Why don't we see him like buzzing around in the clouds? And so if there is a God and he's created everything and he wants a relationship with us, Why don't we see him? And so we looked at last week this idea that that's because God is spirit. And we looked at what Jesus Christ revealed uh, to that Samaritan woman. The fact that God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So that was a good study to remind us that yes, God is infinite. That yes, God is everywhere present. So that he could be worshipped everywhere, so that we can pray to him everywhere, that we can worship him everywhere, but that he also takes, like he takes interest in us. Matter of fact, uh, last Sunday night we looked at. Um, psalm chapter 8 and psalm chapter 8 is is a great psalm it, it talks about the fact of where creation is is or man is put right in the middle of creation and uh in psalm chapter 8 it, it gave this idea and um and i shouldn't even go down that trail because we're already late on time but uh, I'll, I'll sum it up really quickly it, the, the idea that god is above all creation and when you look at all creation man is so small and compared to what god has created and so uh, when we look up into the stars and we, and we see the Milky Way and we think about even our earth and we think about how small we are on our earth, we realize that in creation we are so small, small and yet, or, or insignificant, and yet for God we are very important, we are very significant. And so God is, yes, creator. Yes, God is spirit. And we are of the material world. One of the reasons why we can't see God is because he resides in the unseen world although he has made himself known. Now, this is the next thing that sometimes people get wrong. So, so they begin to think to themselves, well, if God is a spirit and he is everywhere, that must mean that he is in everything. And so the trees outside, he's in that. And in the buildings here, he's in that. And, and in our Bibles, he's in that. And, and in our hair, he's in that. And, and so they, they, they take this leap and they say, God is in all and all is in God. God is in everything and everything is in God. God. And what they end up doing is they divorce God from really a personal God, a God that has a personality. Instead, really, they change God into more of a life-giving power that has no desire, that has no likes, no dislikes. Instead, they turn him more into like a couple of double-A batteries which power a toy. That he is the life giver, and isn't that true? He is the life giver. Matter of fact, Paul says this in first Corinthians I mean, Colossians chapter one, he says this for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And notice what he goes on to say and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So it is very true. That God is the life force behind all life. But when we bubble him down and say, well, he's just the power that gives life, then we divorce him from his personal or personality, his person part of him. And we say, well, God just simply is here to give us life and then we have life and then we die and and then that is it. Then we could just go back to God because we go back to the ground. And so that is what some people believe about God. I'm not saying Christians, but I'm saying some people in the world believe. And it is true that God is the giver of life, but He does have personality. Where personality exists, there is intelligence and mind and will and the ability to reason and individuality and self-consciousness and self-determination. And when we create God into just a and the energy that powers a light bulb, we divorce Him from who He is. And so today we're going to be talking about this very important thing, that God is not simply the power that powers a light bulb, but that really He is a God, a personal God that desires a personal relationship with His creation. So we're going to start here in Exodus 34. So I'll have you stand out of respect for the Word of God. And so notice here, this is Exodus 34, and we're going to start in verse 5, and this is what it says. The Lord descended in the clouds and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. All right, what is happening here? Uh, Moses, God is talking to Moses, and he's about to proclaim something to Moses. All right, look at verse 6. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord... A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquities and in transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the children's children, the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head towards the earth and worshiped. And he said, If now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, Please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquities and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. Let's stop there we'll and the Lord's blessing upon our time. Lord, as we, as we talk about this uh, very important subject, which is you, you do have a personality that there are things about you that you like, and there are things about you that, that you don't like, and, and they, they connect to who you are as a person. And that you are not simply the life force. Although you are a life force. That all things are created through you and sustained through you. But you are so much more than the power that keeps the light on. That you are the creator and sustainer and ruler. That you are an intelligent God that has a will, that has consciousness, that has individuality. And so, Lord, may we never think of you as just an energy that powers the world, but may we see the importance of Christianity, the importance of why we've been created, which is to have a relationship with our Creator. And so, Lord, help us to bring glory to you. Help us to have fellowship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may be seated. Someone once said, true religion can be defined as communication between two people, God and man. And Christianity is not a list of do's and don'ts. Christianity is about a restored relationship with our Creator through Christ. If God was not a person, there would be no communication. And in our passage today, Moses doesn't proclaim what he thinks God is. Instead, really, it is the Lord that proclaims to Moses who he is. And so God reveals himself to Moses. What I have here is I have a picture of, of the mosquito fire. And uh, this, I, I don't think it's fully contained yet. I, th- I think that it's probably almost contained um, is what I, what I read last night. But uh, seventy, it claimed 76,775 acres. And so you can see that guy, he is not reasoning with a fire, all right? A fire is powerful, a forest fire is powerful, but a forest fire cannot be reasoned with. This man out there, that firefighter out there, he is not talking to the fire, trying to reason with it to calm down and to stop burning things. Instead, you see, he has, it looks like probably a torch in his hand. He's probably fighting fire with fire. And why? Because fire consumes everything until it's all gone. And the reason why firefighters fight fire with fire is they consume what that fire fire would eventually consume And then it can't consume anymore. But there's no way of reasoning with a forest fire. But God is not a powerful God in which he just consumes and is unable to be reasoned with. Instead, God has a personality. God has a desire. God has a will. And so notice here. Notice what uh, Moses says. And he said, if now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord. And, and so he is asking the Lord, after everything that has happened, and, and we haven't even covered what has happened yet. We are going to cover what's, what, what's about to happen. But Moses says, hey, if I've, found, if I've, if, if I've done the right thing here, if, if we've repented, if we tried to make things right, if I have found favor in your sight, O Lord. And then he goes on to say, Be merciful to us. He's a God that can be reasoned with. A God that can be prayed to. A God who is merciful and loving and slow to anger. And so there's a lot of things in the world today that do not have personality. They cannot be reasoned with. But God can. And so really to think about this idea of a relationship, it is impossible to find favor with something that has no intelligence, mind, will, or reason. Personality is key to communication in a relationship. And say, so we could go out and, and we could go talk to a tree, and a tree is a living thing, right? Right? It, it needs water and it needs sun and, and without water it dies. It's a living thing. But we could go out and we could talk the tree all we want. And, and maybe some of you guys that grow your own fruit, maybe you're out there in the springtime saying, please, produce some good fruit this year. But you know, that tree is not communicating with you. It's not showing any love back to you. Maybe it provides and maybe it is living. But it has no personality. It has no will. And so really, to have a relationship, you have to have something that has a personality, something that has intelligence in a mind. And God is those things. But even more, and so it's just a practical idea, to be able to have a relationship with something that has to be able to think for itself. It has to be able to reason, it has to have intelligence. But outside of that... Let's go ahead and go back to the Word of God and find what we find today. And the very first thing that we look at, the first truth, is the fact that mankind didn't name God, but God named Himself. So mankind did not, we did not uh, decide in our hearts, you know what, I think the world would be much better if we had this thing called religion if, and if maybe we had these Ten Commandments and, and maybe if we thought to ourselves that maybe God is going to keep people accountable and maybe the world would be a better place. So let's create this idea of God and make the world a better place. That is not what happened. Instead, God revealed himself to us. And so notice here, this is in Exodus chapter 3 and uh this is again moses talking and then moses said to god if i come to the people of israel and i say to them the people of, i'm sorry the god of your fathers has sent me to you and they asked me what is your name what shall i say to them and so in context here this is prior to to him going and freeing uh uh the uh, israel from egypt He's saying, you know what, I'm not really sure if I go to Pharaoh and I go to your people, like, I don't even know who you are, God. What do I say? And God reveals to Moses his covenant name. And he says this, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So Moses did not name God. Moses did not say God, I I think you need a name. Why don't we call you like uh uh I don't know. Let's let's name you like 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 calf or something. Cuz we're going to look at that a little bit later because that's what Israel does. They build a golden calf. But you know Moses did not name God and God named himself and and even within this name it is so important. There is a wonderful importance in the name that God gave. The central idea is one of excellence and personality. And this is what it signifies. I am, I was, I shall be. I am, I was, I shall be. Here's the first time we see the, the name Yahweh given. And here what we see in the Hebrew is this is the first person form of the name Yahweh or Jehovah. So God's covenant name points to his self-existence and eternal state. He says, I am, I'm present, I was. Before there was anything, it was me. And I shall be forever and ever and ever. For I am. That's what God revealed to Moses. Moses didn't name God. God named himself. And so only a God with individuality and self-consciousness could name himself. Rocks don't name themselves. Trees don't name themselves. Fruit don't name themselves. Animals at creation did not name themselves. Adam named the animals, but Adam never named God. Why? Because God already had a name. So, Adam did not name God. Matter of fact, God goes on that name, Adam and Eve, but Adam and Eve don't name God because he was already. And so, here, only a God with individuality and self consciousness could name himself. So this points to the fact that he is not a force. He is not a power that simply is the giver of life, such as maybe like Mother Nature. He is not that. Instead, he is a person with personality. He has likes and dislikes. The next thing that we see is Yahweh or Jehovah is the true God. And in Scripture, you see this, this parallel. This parallel between idols and the God of Israel. And every time these two things are paralleled, uh, you see that God is the real and true and living God and those other things are are just just nothing. Matter of fact here, here's an illustration. This comes from Jeremiah. Notice what Jeremiah says about the idols. It's a it's a great illustration here. He says this in Jeremiah 10:5. Their idols are like scarecrows in a cucumber field. They cannot speak. They have to be carried, for they cannot walk. Do not be afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, neither is it in them to do good. So Jeremiah says, hey, these idols, they're just like scarecrows. Don't be afraid of them. But then he goes on to say this about the God of Israel. And this is in verse 10. For the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earth quakes, and the nations cannot endure his indignation. So, so here Jeremiah says, hey, you know what? I know there's a lot of idols out there. Don't be afraid of those. Those have no power. Instead, be afraid of God. God is the one with power, for he is what? The living God. Let me give you another illustration. This is in Psalm. This is Psalm uh, Psalm 115. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak, eyes, but uh, they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear, noses, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not feel, feet, but do not walk, and they do not make a sound in their throat. And so again, when we parallel the gods of other nations... The Word of God says they are not to be compared. These idols don't have any life, no personality, no power to accomplish anything. But the God of Israel does. Look at what Habakkuk here says. This is Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 18. What prophet is an idol when its maker has shaped it? A metal image, a teacher of lies. For its maker trusts in his own creation. And this is the truth. If we created God, then we are, we are putting our trust in our own creation. But we did not create God. Instead, God created us. For its maker trusts in his own creation when he, makes, uh, when he makes speechless idols. Woe to him who tell, says to a wooden thing, awake, and to a silent stone arise. Can this teach? Behold... It is overlaid with gold and silver. And notice what what he says here. There is no breath at all in it. He says it has no life. It has no power. It has no personality. It has no intelligence. It has no way to accomplish its will. For it is not alive. It is dead. It is simply an idol made by human hands. Paul puts it this way. This is in 1 Thessalonians 1 9. For they themselves report how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. The idea here is that you turn from dead idols that had no power to serve the living and true God, which does. And so when we think about God, first of all, God named himself. All right? Mankind did not name him, we did not create God. God was already created in his name. I am says that I was from the beginning and I'm in the present. I'll be in the future for I am always I am. And then what is revealed is Yahweh is the true and living God. But there's a third thing that is revealed and the Bible reveals, uh, reveals personality. The Bible reveals personality So notice here in Exodus 34, 6. Matter of fact, uh, if you want to go ahead and flip to uh, uh, chapter 32. So Exodus 32, while we look at this uh, uh, verse 6. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Now, why, why did God proclaim those things to Moses? Why did God proclaim those things to Moses? Well, it's because of what happened prior to what, Jesus, or what God just revealed about himself. And so we, we go back to verse or chapter 32 to kind of find out what, what exactly is happening here. And so what we have here is, is um, uh, the people of Israel. Moses has gone up in, into the mountains to talk with the Lord, and he's been gone for a while now. And the people begin to think to themselves, okay, we've been brought out of Egypt, and what has happened to this man named Moses? Maybe he's dead somewhere, and if he's dead somewhere, we need a god to serve. And so they go to Aaron, and they say, Aaron, we want to build some idols, some gods, so that we can serve those. And, and Aaron says, okay, sure, yeah, go ahead and give me your gold, your gold earrings, and, and your gold rings, we're going to melt those down. And Aaron builds a golden calf. Now, golden calf represented like power. So we're not talking about like, like a baby-born calf. What we're talking about is a strong calf. Uh, a calf would have, would have preserved life. It would have brought life in, in a field. All right? They would have used it. And so when they built that, that golden calf, they, they were in a way trying to make a good God for themselves. Not a little God, but a, a strong God for themselves. And so here in in eight, we see what the Lord says. In verse eight, it says this they have turned aside quickly out of the way I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it, and said, These are our gods, O Israel. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt and they were worshipping this golden calf when really they should have been worshipping the Lord and, and why did Christ say they have turned aside quickly out of the way I've commanded them is because God already told them what they were supposed to do they were disobeying and, and Aaron let them disobey the Lord in, in doing this. And so we find out in, as, as the Lord reveals that the Ten Commandments, He speaks to all the people. And, and this is found in Exodus 20. And, and the Lord says this, you shall have no other gods before me. And here they are, they're worshiping gods. And, and then the Lord goes on to say this, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth below for the war that is in the water under the earth. And we looked at this idea last week that, that Israel was, was told, you are not to make any idols that represent the God of Israel. Because the God of Israel cannot be worshipped. There is nothing in this world that is comparable to the glory of God. Therefore, you cannot make an idol in this world and compare it to God. And so Israel was told that, and yet here they go. They go when they build this golden calf. They begin to worship other gods, and they really build a golden calf to worship the Lord. And so going back to uh, chapter 32 and verse 1, and then the people saw Moses the laying. They came down from the mountain. The people gathered themselves to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods. We shall go before us. As for Mo, uh, for Moses, this man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know where he is. What was become of him? The idea is he could be dead, and if he's dead, then then we've lost our opportunity to serve this really big God. So we need to we need to create something. And so they build this golden calf, and, and notice. When Aaron builds this golden calf, he attributes it to God. And, and notice here in verse 5, Then Aaron saw this, and he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. That Lord there is Yahweh, Jehovah. As, as uh, Aaron did this, he thought, We're going to worship the God of Israel through this golden calf. Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. That Lord, even though it's not in all caps here, if you look down in your Bible, it's all caps, that represents Yahweh, the covenant name of of God or Jehovah. So they were going to worship this golden calf as if it was God. But how does the God reply to this? Again, if, if God is just a... A power. if he's just a river that, that, that runs into the ocean and he has no likes and dislikes, he should be perfectly fine with this. But we don't find that he's perfectly fine with this. What do we see? Well, let's go ahead and go around to verse 9. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. These guys are stubborn. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. Now, this is not the exact words that God uses, but this is the idea. This is my words. He says this. Those people, they are stubborn people. Moses, what I'm going to do, I'm going to wipe them out. We're going to create a better nation, and we're going to start with you. And why? Why? Because they were worshiping the golden calf, which God told them not to do. Does God have likes and dislikes? He does. God said, don't do this. They did that. And because they sinned against God, that did not bring honor to God. And that did not glorify the God of Israel and so this is why God reacts the way He does, is because this is not honoring to the God that just brought them out of Israel, or, or brought them out of Egypt. The God of Israel should be worshipped alone, for He is the only God. And so we see Moses come to the aid, and he begins to plead for Israel, and, and Moses says this: "Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people." So Moses really goes to the aid and, uh, to the aid of the people, and, and this is what Moses' request is when when he says, "Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster." This is what Moses is asking, God, be merciful, be merciful with your people. And we see what God does in verse fourteen, and the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. Again, that word relent is the idea of grace and mercy. That, that God, as he looked out and he said, this is very wrong. I'm going to wipe them out. And I'm going to start over again. And, and Moses comes and he, he pleads with God. He says, give them mercy. And God gives them grace and mercy. It's the same grace and mercy that we get. Because we don't deserve salvation either. We are wretched sinners. Matter of fact, the Bible calls us unrighteous and ungodly. And yet Christ died in our place nonetheless. And so here we have a God who has likes and dislikes. He said, you know what? You are not allowed to do this. And they went ahead and they did that. And Moses pleaded with the Lord and the Lord had mercy. And, and when I say he had mercy, this is what's recorded for us in Deuteronomy 9.20. It says this, and the Lord was so angry with Aaron that he was ready to destroy him. He was so angry with Aaron for what he had done. Again, uh, what did the people do? They came to Aaron and they said, Aaron, what we want you to do is we want you to, to build for us some gold, some, some idols. We, want, we need to worship something. And so he said, okay, well, let's gather up all of the gold and, and let's build this calf. And that's what he does. And the Bible says here in Deuteronomy, and the Lord was so angry with Aaron that he was ready to destroy him. Why? Because God did not receive the glory and the worshiping of the golden calf, God deserved all of the glory and all of the honor for bringing them out of Israel or bringing them out of Egypt. But Israel did not give him that glory that was due him. Instead, they ran to other gods, and they worshipped other gods. And so, what, what uh, Israel did was a serious matter, so serious that the Bible recorded that the Lord was angry with Aaron. The only God of Israel should have been worshipped. It was Yahweh that brought them out of Egypt. God didn't need their help to be worshipped, God didn't want them to build an idol to Him or to other gods. And so he was not glorified through their actions. And there is no doubt as we look at the word of God that there is attributed to God a personality, that he's not simply a life force. He's not, uh, so, he's not this life force that just powers everything and then he has no likes and dislikes. Instead, he is a personal God that desires a relationship. He has personality. And so let's, let's sum this up. Let's sum up what we've learned today about God. Because God is a spirit, some reason that he must be in all and all in him. God is everything and everything is God. But this is not what we see in the word of God. This can lead to the idea that uh, all things, um, that, that God is more like Mother Nature. That he is simply the, the electricity or the power that sustains life. And it is true that God is the power that sustains life. That is true. But he is more than that. And so unlike electricity or even a fire, we can have communication with God, we can reason with God, we can ask for mercy from God. And so we're reminded that first of all, God named himself. The great I am, Yahweh or Jehovah in English. This name portrays the fact that God has individuality. And self-consciousness. When compared to idols, it is revealed in Scripture that they have no voice and no power and no life, but Yahweh is the true and living God. lastly, even though there is nothing in all creation that can compare to God, the Bible appears to indicate that God has attributes which are similar to a personality. He is not a force, as some teach, but he is intelligent. He has a mind, he has a will, he has individuality, he has self-consciousness and self-determination. These things point not to a simple life-giver called a creator, but instead this points to a living creator, who is active in our lives. And, and so what, how do we take this, this idea of God, the fact that He is not simply the power that sustains all life, how do we take that and we apply it to our lives? Well, first of all, remember, if we are created by God, which the Bible says we are created by God, then we have purpose. And if we do have purpose, because all created things do have purpose... What is our purpose? And I believe there are two main purposes God has given to mankind. One, to bring Him glory. Two, to have fellowship with Him. I believe that is the two purposes, and we're focusing this year, designed for His glory, His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's to bring Him glory. But That second idea is that we have fellowship with, with him and so god that's god's desire and the only way that we could have a personal relationship with the creator god is if too, he had a personality if he was able to reason and talk to and think through things if he had intelligence and we know that he does for he is a good and merciful god he is not like a computer which we can yell at when things go wrong Instead, he is meant to be worshipped, for he is the creator of all creation. Now, if we haven't joined into a relationship with the God, uh, the God of the Bible, then we should. That is God's first desire for mankind. Because before you could really bring him glory, and before you could really have a relationship with you, uh, relationship with him, uh, you must start a relationship with him, and that's through Jesus Christ. Because our relationship is, is broken because of sin. But when we've put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, that relationship is put back together. And that's what God desires for his creation. And we bring him glory, and we have fellowship with him. Why? Because he is a personal God. Yes, he is the creator God of all things, but he takes personal interest in his creation. He wants to fellowship with us. Lord, we do thank you for your personality. Lord, you are not just like a bulldozer that just runs over everything that you come in contact with. Instead, you, you are a God who uh, has a will. You, you have a, a purpose behind all that you do. But you are a God that can also be reasoned with because you are a God who is loving and merciful. That, that really, in your justice, we don't deserve redemption. And Israel didn't deserve redemption. Really, they, they deserved to be wiped out for what they did. And yet, you gave mercy. And so thank you, Lord, that you are a good and merciful God. But Lord, we don't want to divorce you from the fact that you are holy and just as well. So thank you, Lord, that you are a perfect, a perfect God that always does things right in your righteousness, and in your justice. Thank you, Lord, for making a way for us, even though we are sinners, to have a relationship with you that you made a way through Jesus Christ. And so thank you that we can have a personal relationship with you. Lord, help our lives to bring you glory. Help our lives to be connected to you in that type of relationship, one in which is growing in your word, one that is growing in our prayer to you.